0: Uh, The scripture this morning comes from Mark 4, verse 35 to 41, if you have your Bible. If not, you can follow along on the screens. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, "'Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown?' When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, "'Silence! Be still!' Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, "'Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith?' The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him.
1: Well, summer is a great time for storms. And uh, we seem to get some powerful storms in the prairies, don't we? Great lightning shows, hail, wind, rain. They are often terrifying and awe-inspiring. This morning, I want to talk to you about a different kind of storm, but it's no less powerful and no less terrifying. These storms, they come up quickly and unexpectedly. We can never really prepare for them, but we can be ready for them. We can equip ourselves with knowledge and a perspective that when storms do come into our lives, we're ready for them. We have a deeper knowledge that helps us in the midst of the storms, so that rather than being tossed around, afraid of what might happen, we have some truths that can ground us and, quite honestly, keep us from completely freaking out and totally losing it. And to help us come to that place, we're going to look closer at the verses that Melanie read for us. And in these verses, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, we find a classic illustration of Psalm 145, verse 14 and 18. Where there we read, the Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And my prayer is that this morning, as we study this event in the life of Jesus and his disciples, that it might result in a new and fresh vision of Jesus. Uh, That we might be, you know, almost smitten, as it were, with the wonder of Jesus. Not in some kind of sentimental fashion, but rather as a result of our minds being stimulated by the truths about Jesus and the wonder of what it is to know him as Savior and friend. And so as we make our way through these verses, I want to just draw out some life lessons for those of us who are seeking to follow after Jesus and who in the course of life have encountered trouble along the way. Lesson number one, following Jesus does not insulate us from the storms of life. It doesn't insulate us from the storms of life. Storms will come, they will happen. But maybe the disciples didn't know that. Maybe they thought it would protect them. We're going to follow Jesus and things are going to be great. Maybe they even started to imagine that following Jesus would be always smooth sailing and great weather, an easy ride, free from trouble. And they may have even thought that as long as they stay close to Jesus, all would be well. Now, if that is true, they would be in the same boat, no no pun intended, as many today who look for that guarantee as they travel the journey of faith. You see, because there are those who come to faith in Jesus expecting that all will be well, that he is the answer to all of their problems and will solve all of their issues, only to have their faith destroyed because of some unexpected storm in their lives. Consider verse 37. The disciples and Jesus had set sail... And we read in verse 37 that a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So just imagine yourselves, you're out, you're out on nice little boat cruise, you're going to the other side of the lake, and then all of a sudden this violent windstorm comes out of nowhere. Matthew 8:24, in its reporting and account of this story, tells us that the storm came up without warning. And so there's clear sailing, and then all of a sudden, wham! The boat is taking on so much water that it appeared highly likely that it would be completely swamped. You see, it's not uncommon for, uh, to, to hear that the, the life of Christ or following Jesus is described sometimes in such a way as to lead people to believe that if we only do our part, which is, in all honesty, relatively minor then Jesus will do his, which of course is rather significant. That, they can, that we can then live life with no expectation of violent storms and no danger at all of difficulties. And if you have come this morning perhaps believing only in a God who prevents you from being swamped in life, and you're swamped, and you're barely treading water and keeping your head above water, What are you going to do with that? You'll you'll either have to run or you'll have to find a different God. Or you can come to a different understanding of God. You see, if you believe in a God who somehow prevents his children from ever experiencing storms in life, then you don't believe in the God of the Bible. You don't believe in the God who had Jesus as his son, who was forced to experience extreme challenges in his own life and then finally died a horrible and uh, death nailed to a cross it should be easy to see that following jesus does not provide insulation from the storms of life and the lesson that we learn here is that even this happens as a result of obedience Because even when we're obedient, there will come, without warning, significant storms. Because Jesus says in verse 35, let's go to the other side. And then we read that leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. In other words, Jesus simply says to them, hey, let's go to the other side. And they say, great, we're going to go to the other side. It wasn't that Jesus said, hey, we're going to go to the other side. And they said, no, we're not. We're not having anything to do with that. And then as a result of having said, no, we're not, and they sort of reluctantly did, that they ultimately got themselves in trouble. See, it was as a result of saying, yes, we are. Yes, we will follow. That they got themselves into trouble. They were simply obediently following Jesus and they still encountered a violent storm. Just think about that for a moment. It may seem... I'm making too much of that. But the question is this. Do we have a theology that can handle that? You see, so many people think, oh, you're in trouble? Then you must have done something wrong. You must have turned right when Jesus said turn left. No. They turn left because Jesus said turn left. And before they know it, they're on a boat that is about to be swamped. When you think about storms in life, are you facing any sudden storms? I think of the families of the six teenagers that were recently had their lives taken from them in that horrific accident in Saskatchewan. Things are going great. And then suddenly you get a phone call in the middle of the night There's been a terrible accident. Or the loss of health. You go to your doctor for a routine checkup, only to be followed by news that the checkup wasn't as routine as we might have hoped. Or loss of employment. Things are going great. You think everything's going well, you're doing your job well, and suddenly you're invited into your boss's office. Or disappointment in relationships. Or the sorrow of separation. Wishing we could keep the ones that we love close to us forever. Or even the loss of loved ones, that phone call in the night. Friends, I hope if nothing else this morning, this event in the life of Jesus reminds us that just because we follow Jesus in obedience, it doesn't mean that we are somehow insulated from ever encountering storms in our lives. Lesson number two. Jesus was a real man and therefore understands the struggles that we face. He was a real man and understands the struggles we face. So here are the disciples. Clear sailing, violent storm, and Jesus was sound asleep. Did you catch that? The first part of verse 38. Jesus was in the stern or in the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. This might even make us a little bit uncomfortable, doesn't it? I mean, if we're going to get swamped, we could at least expect that Jesus would stay awake in the midst of the storm. And notice that little piece of information that Mark includes. And I love it, and I, I hope I'm not making too much about this, but it just says that he was asleep on a cushion or a pillow. I actually find that very interesting. That here is the one who made the universe. The one who could have turned the wood that was, that, that boat was made out of into a soft material for his head, Turns to his disciples and says, Hey, anyone got a cushion or a pillow for me? The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, slept. And he slept on a pillow. Why? Because when you put your head down on the back of a boat and try to sleep... It's awfully hard and uncomfortable. And so here we find Jesus in all of his humanity, who had a body like our own. That's why Jesus got thirsty. That's why he got hungry. That's why he got tired. And that's why he can relate to you and to me, and that he understands our needs and he understands our pain. Are you feeling any pain today? Need some sympathy? There is no one who understands our weaknesses better than Jesus. He's absolutely no stranger to our grief. Are you feeling alone and neglected? Well, Jesus knows that feeling too. John 1, verse 11. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The very ones that you would have thought would have received him, they didn't. Or Mark 14, verse 50. Then everyone deserted him and fled. Are you misunderstood? Misrepresented? Maybe even slandered? So was Jesus. Mark 14, verse 56 and 59. Many testified falsely against him. Are you aware of the attacks of the evil one in your life? Jesus sure was. Shocking thoughts from your past, accusations that come into your life, and you wonder how and why? Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 10, we read about Jesus having wrestled for 40 days and nights and fasted, and he was hungry, and then he met the evil one himself. Is your mind in agony and turmoil and filled with anxiety today? Jesus understands. Matthew 27, verse 46, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This lesson, this event, teaches us that there is no one better suited to deal with the storms of our lives than the Lord whom the disciples found fast asleep on a cushion in the back of the boat. Jesus understands. So lesson number one, As followers of Jesus, we are going to face storms in life. Lesson number two, Jesus understands the storms that we face. And lesson number three, followers of Jesus still ask dumb questions. They do. Have you ever noticed that? Look in verse 38, the second half now. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I mean... You sort of have to imagine this, but look at them. Check out their actions. They're totally freaking out at this point, so they wake Jesus up, and they do ask him a dumb question. Don't you care if we drown? You see, they know their weaknesses and fears, and that should encourage some of us this morning who, during this past week, have maybe asked dumb questions, and maybe we've even been down on ourselves for questioning. But take heart. Look at the disciples. They spend every day with Jesus. They should have known that that, that He had the power to calm the storm, but of course, (coughs) excuse me. But of course, they don't, and they're still panicking. They're guilty of of a number of things. We can say that they're guilty of unbelief, right? Don't you care if we drown? I mean, their belief was that suddenly they are going to drown. And by making that statement, they then automatically assume that they didn't think that Jesus was able to keep them safe. They're guilty of distrust. Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care? Guilty of impatience. Perhaps they could have waited until he woke up. But isn't this a little bit like us? As long as all is well in life, clear sailing, everything's good. But let the waves and the winds howl and we reveal to ourselves our weaknesses and our fears. You see, Peter, James, and John, they were not so spiritual that they couldn't be afraid. And as long as we live in this body, we will be confronted by the reality of fear And fear makes us say and often do dumb things, irrational things. Uh, Many heroes of the faith said and did dumb things because of fear. Think about Abraham. You can read about this for yourself in Genesis 12, verses 10 through 13. God tells Abraham to get up and go. So Abraham obediently follows, he gets up and goes. And suddenly there's a famine in the land, and so they need to move on to Egypt. And Abraham looks over at his wife and goes, "You know, you are a beautiful woman. And if these characters here in this country think that you're my wife, they're going to kill me so that they can have you." Do you remember the story? So, what does he tell? What's the little plan they come up to come up with? They decide that they're going to lie. They decide that they're going to try to deceive and mislead the people who would come to him and say, "Hey, this is a beautiful woman." And he says, She's my sister. Faith's heroes, new faith, new fear. And let's not assume that we would have been, or maybe even are, any different than the disciples. Since we can recognize this in ourselves. Fear, frailty, failures. I want to encourage us to learn to tolerate that in others. Matthew's account of this event in the life of Jesus helps us see the connection, I think, between our fears and our faith. And in Matthew eight twenty six, we read that Jesus said, You have little faith, why are you so afraid? Have any fears? As I said, it's, it's not uncommon. It's probably almost natural. But what do our fears ultimately reveal about our faith? You see, when I think about my fears, maybe that that something awful would happen to one of our children, I have to remind myself that God does care, that He is the one who is able to keep them safe, and that I can trust Him. I have to remind myself when I am afraid to ask why, yes, but why am I afraid? And most of the time I discover that it is a faith issue. It's a trust issue. Do I honestly believe in the, in, in, in the power and the sovereignty and the love of God in those instances? Lesson number four. Jesus is all-powerful and we can trust him to calm the storms that we face. He's all-powerful and we can trust him. In verse 39, we discover that the storm was suddenly completely calmed. What happened? He got up, the Bible says, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And an instant from raging seas and violent winds and water sloshing over the boat and the boat taking on water, instantly and suddenly it's calm. This sudden violent storm is stilled. And in this one act of calming the sea, Jesus displays his power. With the word, the wind and the waves are quieted. John 1 verse 3 says, Through him all things were made that has been made. So he made the sea. So why should the sea ever be a problem for him? Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So the real issue is, do we believe him? Do we need just a fresh view and a different perspective of who Jesus is? Because what about the storms that you're facing today? Maybe there's a cloud of guilt or the accusation of the evil one. Maybe it's just a broken heart, unreciprocated love, a weary spirit, an anxious soul. Whatever the storm is, we need a larger view of the power of Christ. This Jesus, who is able to save completely those who have come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus is on our side. Yes, we will face storms. And yes, Jesus understands. And yes, we may be afraid, but we can trust him to calm the storms. And sometimes he chooses to calm his children even in the midst of the storm. Have you discovered that? when it seems like your life is just raging out of control, He comes in and just offers peace, His peace. And He invites us to not be anxious about anything, but in absolutely everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we present our request to God. And what does He promise? The peace of Christ that transcends, it passes all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That's because of Jesus. He can calm the storm. He can bring peace into our lives. And so we can trust him. Lesson number five. Let's not be so quick to rebuke those who do not believe all that the prophets have spoken. You see, in verse 39, Jesus rebukes the wind and commands the waves to calm down. And then in verse 40, he turns to his disciples and asks, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I believe that after this strong rebuke of the wind and the waves, Jesus turns to his disciples and tenderly, almost compassionately, asks these follow-up questions. In other words, and I know this is a bit of an assumption, but but I believe that his rebuke was for the wind and the waves and not ultimately for the disciples. Because when it comes right down to it, I don't know that there's ever any teacher that ever had a class that was as slow as these guys. And no students ever had such a patient and forgiving teacher. Just think of some of the examples. Mark 9 verse 34, Jesus asked his disciples, hey, what are you guys arguing about? Well, they kept quiet. They didn't answer his question because on the way they were arguing about who was the greatest. Because they didn't quite get it. Mark 6 verse 52. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And right after that, he walks on water. You would think by this point that they would get it. That they would realize that this is Jesus, the Son of God, that he was all powerful, that he was able to do whatever he needed to do. And now he's walking on the water. But they thought he was a ghost. And a little bit further is just this little line, but they didn't understand about the loaves. And so he, um, Mark takes us back to the feeding of the 5,000. So even, even though Jesus walked on the water and they, that was their, their next event, they're still thinking about how did he do that? How did he take those five loaves of bread and have all those baskets of bread left over and those fish? Who is this guy? They still didn't get it. And then in Luke 9.52, when the Samaritans didn't welcome Jesus into their midst, the disciples are the ones who ask, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? I mean, what a great idea. These guys don't believe. Let's just torch the place and let's be done with it. They didn't get anything of the heart of Jesus. You see, it's incredible to me that, they, that Jesus didn't rebuke the disciples, but instead he chose to rebuke the waves. And so that's another lesson for us to learn. Let's, let's not be so quick to rebuke those who do not believe all that the prophets have spoken. Look at Jesus' attitudes towards them. I believe he was filled with compassion, with kindness, with gentleness, with patience. He doesn't just tell his disciples to get lost and reject them for their unbelief. He doesn't dismiss them for their fearfulness. And even after his crucifixion, when they were still wondering what was really happening, he doesn't gather them together and rebuke them and yell at them and scream at them and say, I told you this would happen. You still don't get it. How dense can you be? No. In one instance, he makes breakfast. And then he restores peter he answers thomas's legitimate doubtful questions and ultimately he blesses and departs you see jesus cares for the least and he cares for the greatest and he never ever leaves those who are in his care so one more lesson quick review lesson number 1 Followers of Jesus encounter storms in life. That's a given. Lesson number two, Jesus understands those storms. Lesson three, sometimes his followers are afraid and so they ask dumb questions and do dumb things. Lesson four, we can trust Jesus to calm the storms. Lesson five, let's extend grace to those who do not believe all that the prophets have spoken. And lesson six, the demonstration of the power of Jesus created fear and wonder. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus asked them, right? And that question, it must have echoed in their minds. Maybe the way it does for some of us this morning. Because the answer is, if we're really honest, we might have to say, No, actually, I don't have faith. I want to just say to you, if you find yourself at a place where you're still exploring the claims of Christ and you have never by faith crossed that line of faith and trusted Jesus, you can know him. You can draw near to him because he's already near to you. But look at the disciples' reaction in verse 41. He says, they were terrified and asked each other, who... Is this? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You see, this demonstration here of the power of Jesus, as he got up and with a word stilled the wind and the waves, it created fear and wonder. And that really shouldn't surprise us, because that fear... Now, when I'm talking about this fear, I'm not talking about terror or being afraid, but I'm talking about awe and of reverence. That fear, that wonder, is often missing in kind of our, our horizontal world, our material world. We just sometimes approach and relate to Jesus so casually sometimes, and then as a result, we kind of miss the wonder of it all. Can we be like the psalmist? What is man that you are mindful of him. Think about it. The Lord of all of creation knows everything about you and everything about me. And we might even begin to think that we are so insignificant that why would God ever spend any time thinking about us? what is man that you are mindful of him the disciples here upon seeing Jesus calm the storm I believe they reacted in wonder and fear did they fall to their knees I don't know but my hunch is that maybe they did Because when you are in the presence of someone so powerful, when you have witnessed what they just witnessed, you would think that that is the only appropriate response. Have we ever fallen before Jesus in wonder and in awe? Yes, Jesus Christ is our friend. It's absolutely true. The Bible says the fear of the Lord or or this sense of awe and reverence towards the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, where the fear of the Lord adds length to our days. Having an awe-inspired reverence for God, a fear which his disciples knew, and they knew that it didn't distance them from the Lord of the storm, but it actually drew them closer. I think we just need to know this morning that Jesus is the Lord of the storm. And my question this morning is simply, do you know him? Do you know him as Lord? Do you know him as your Savior? Because here in this one event is a reminder that Jesus never ever leaves us. He never forsakes us. He absolutely loves us. He died for us, and he rose again victorious. He is faithful, and he is stronger than any storm we will ever face. And I'm convinced that once we see this, what other response could ever be so accurate and real enough for us than to simply say, you know what, Jesus? I want you to take my life. I want you to take my moments and to take my joys and to take my days and to take my family and to take my future and to take it all. I just give it all to you because you are Lord. You are Lord of the storm. And in my fear, I turn to you and I trust you because I know that you are good and you're faithful. And all the things that we are singing about this morning, They're not just songs, but they're expressions of our faith and our hope and our belief in God. That He is Lord of the storm. And whatever storm you're facing this morning, and you know it, just that word instantly brought something to mind. This is my storm. And I want you to know that Jesus walks with you and He's there for you. And he understands. And yes, we may be afraid. And yes, we may say dumb things. But he is good. And he doesn't leave. And he is able.